0: Good evening and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm your host, John Tarleton, editor in chief of the Independent, New York City's lefty newspaper and website. We're online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. Our current uh, December January print edition is out on the streets in our red and white news boxes around the city in more than 60 public libraries, independent bookstores, cafes, and other venues. My co-host, Ambu Gagarian is away this week. Uh, in in today's show, in the first half of today's show, we're going to talk about uh, workers and health care. We're going to uh, uh, look at the uh, nurses' strike uh, that began yesterday at four uh, uh, private hospitals in Manhattan and Bronx, one at uh, Mount Sinai uh, on 99th Street and Madison and Uh, Three of the Montfiore hospitals, uh, their nurses are also uh, still on strike, Uh, a total of about 7,000 nurses uh, who are striking for better pay and working conditions uh, against uh, some very powerful and wealthy private hospitals. It's currently the largest uh, active strike in the country going on right now. And uh, we're going to have a chance to talk with uh, Stephen Wishnia, a longtime labor reporter who was up at uh, Mount Sinai on 99th and Madison yesterday talking to the nurses uh, what their concerns are and why they're uh, out on strike. And uh, a little later, we'll also talk about workers in healthcare from the perspective of those who receive it. The, uh, the city of New York is trying to transfer uh, 250,000 retired municipal workers uh, from their current Medicare healthcare plan plan uh, to privately managed uh, uh, and privately run Medicare Advantage. Many of the uh, retirees are very upset about this. There was a, uh, a labor committee uh, uh, hearing at city council yesterday. Uh, many retirees turned out to uh, talk, uh, to testify about their concerns and uh, we're going to be joined uh, by uh uh cuny professor uh barbara caress uh, who is a, a member of the professional staff congress of cuny also a healthcare expert and has worked with many unions here in the city over the years and she's going to help break down the situation for us and why uh, things have uh, come to this impasse and, and and later in the show we're going to throw open our phone lines we look forward to hearing uh, from you and talk about the uh, what we we've um uh, covered earlier in the show or Talk about uh, whatever else is on your mind, what you're thinking about as the new year is underway. We're, um, it's January 10th. And, uh, but as I was saying, we're gonna, uh, first of all, go to, uh, the strike, uh, that is underway at four uh, privately run hospitals in the sea. We have some footage, uh, from, uh, yesterday, uh, but I don't think we're, we're quite ready to run that. Um, so we might circle back to that a little bit, uh, later in this, uh, segment. But, uh, in the meantime, uh, want to welcome, uh, Stephen Wishnia. He's a longtime, uh, labor and tenant, uh, uh, uh j- reporter here in New York. He's written for the Independent, uh, over the last 20 years. He writes for other publications as well. And, uh, yesterday he filed a piece for, uh, WorkBytes, uh, from his reporting uh, up at uh, Mount Sinai. Uh, Steve, welcome to the Independent News Hour on WBAI. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. Sure. So uh, you went up uh, yesterday. You, you spent a lot of time up there uh, talking to the nurses uh, outside of the Mount Sinai Hospital at 99th and Madison. It was a very, uh, pretty raucous uh, scene. And uh, what, what were some of the things you were hearing from them? Uh, it was pretty loud, but it was also pretty festive. Mm-hmm.
1: But the biggest thing I heard was staffing. You know, I went up to this group of uh four women who turned out to be oncology nurses or nurse practitioners and I said, I'd like to talk to you about why you're out here. And they said in almost in unison, safe staffing. Uh you know, people talk about uh having way more patients than they're supposed to have, you know, in Intensive care unit, you're supposed to have only, you know, at most two because people are really sick and, you know, they can have a crisis at any minute. But uh, your know, work nurses are having, you know, three patients, sometimes four uh, at Montefiore in the emergency room. People are talking about, uh, you know, having 20 patients at a time. So it's they're really overworked, and this interferes with their ability to uh, give good care. I had nurses telling me, you know, oh, we work 12-hour shifts normally, but, you know, if I'm on the day shift and the night shift is short, then I have to stay on and do a 24-hour shift. And, you know, nobody is going to be, you know, highly coherent, you know, after doing 19 hours of a 24-hour shift.
0: Right, and, and um, uh, and at the same time, there's also uh, 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 traveling nurses that come in uh, and get paid a lot more. Can you talk about this situation?
1: Yeah, that's you know fairly standard in the industry in in medical care recently. Is you know there are nurses who, uh, you know, let's say during COVID, you know, New York needs nurses, and they'll get paid. You know, substantially more than a regular nurse would to come in and work for two weeks or whatever. But they're also used during strikes, which is a little different than a regular labor strike. You know, you have a strike at Ford. Okay, they can't make cars for however long the strike is, which hurts the company. Workers don't get paid, but doesn't endanger people's lives. So, you know, healthcare is the only kind of strike where the union has to give 10 days notice before going out on strike. And uh, the NIS, 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 New York State Nurses Association put out a message saying, if you need medical care and you have to go to a hospital, it's not crossing a picket line to go in when you need care. But when you come out, you're welcome on our picket line.
0: Right, uh, obviously uh, threading a difficult needle there,
1: well yeah, but there is they are commonly used as strike breakers uh,
0: the 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 traveling nurses,
1: yeah, and staffing is you know probably the biggest issue by far in the nurses strikes that I've covered over the last few years. There's a big issue at the one at St. Vincent's in Worcester, Massachusetts, which mm-hmm. went on for you know close to a year. Uh, the big issue is the one uh, last year in Buffalo. It's the biggest complaint that nurses have is uh, we don't have the staff to give patients proper care. We're overworked. Um, right. We
0: we have uh, some sound from yesterday. Our, our, uh, our reporter Sue Brisk uh, was also up at uh, Mount Sinai, and she spoke with a. A couple of uh, veteran nurses uh, at that hospital who are on strike, and, and they um, shared with us uh, their concerns about staffing. We'll go to this r- uh, right now.
1: My name is Ly- Garcia Ona, I'm a nurse practitioner, I'm in Mount Sinai for March 16, 1982. I was at bedside as a nurse and a senior clinical for 20 years, and now I'm a nurse practitioner for 20 years, I will be in Mount Sinai for 41 years on March 16, 2023, but right now I work there for over 40 years and we had seen that you know nurses and np's are overworked we work like sometimes 23 patients working with doctors with four buildings and we have to walk all those four buildings because the patients are scattered but we do as much as we can on those with those patients thank you my name is Judith Archer i've been here for 38 years February the 21st, I'll be here 29, uh, 39 years, working ADS medicine, working different departments within the hospital. And over the last 10 years or so, you have seen where the patient nurse patient ratio has increased. I'm a nurse practitioner on the ADS service, and there are times when I have 20, 25 patients, and that is unsafe practice. There is no way that you can render care. You get calls from your physicians. So make consults, make appointments. You do everything except mop the floor and enough
0: is enough. That was, uh, Leela Garcia Ona and Judith Archer, two nurses at Mount Sinai, uh, on, um, in 99th in Madison, uh, both on strike, uh, speaking yesterday to the Independent uh, Sue Brisk. Uh, Steve, that sounds a, a lot like what, uh, what you were hearing. Uh, what, what's your sense of, uh, where this strike is headed from here with the the seven thousand nurses uh, still out on the picket line
1: uh I don't know Staffing is really the big sticking point mm-hmm. uh, several other you know hospitals uh, New York Presbyterian is the only one that's bigger than these two and have signed contracts with staffing that's acceptable to the union mm-hmm. and with wage increases that are, you know, 7 6%, 6%, 5% a year, adding up to 19%. So money is not really the issue, but uh, the two biggest ones, you know, Mount Sinai's flagship in East Harlem and Montefiore in the Northeast Bronx, one main hospital on Gun Hill Road and two satellite hospitals, you know, they're not, you know, not sign as the one that walked out on talks right before the deadline. Uh, and they're both saying, well, we've offered the workers, you know, the same money, you know, why aren't they signing? And it's just, you know, staffing is still the sticking point. Uh Montefiore, you know, offered the workers, you know, that it would create 170 new nursing positions, but they have, Something like 760 vacancies. So that's not even a quarter of the number of vacant positions. Uh, Mount Sinai, according to the union, has, you know, more, something like 500 vacant positions. So, and, and the
0: reasons that there, there's these vacancies, I assume, is in part, at least because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, many nurses quit. Some died uh, while trying to serve their uh, patients. Um, it, it seems like the hospital would want to fill their ranks.
1: Yeah, they, you know, they quit. They, uh, uh, somebody I was talking to who works on the night shift said that, you know, 10 people on his shift had quit uh, in the last couple of years. Some of them became travel nurses because it's more money. Uh, so, you know, a lot of what people say is that a lot of nonprofits, you know, hospitals are technically nonprofit, but they work like for-profit corporations they have huge executive salaries they're trying to you know squeeze out as much money as they can um
0: right uh, and
1: others you know there are costs it's you know a lot of you know, equipment's a lot of money uh this montefiore depends something like two-thirds on medicare and medicaid which pay less than private insurance companies, but yeah, these are companies that can afford to, you know, pay executives more than a million a year. You know, the head of the uh, Mount Sinai Health you know systems chain gets twelve million. The chief executive officer at uh, Montefiore gets <laughs> seven million a year, at least he did in twenty twenty.
0: So. Uh, right. Well, I guess if you and I ever had any dreams of getting rich, I guess we went in the, in the wrong, uh, in the wrong field. But, um, uh, before we go, uh, go here, there's one other story that you're, uh, following, uh, uh, about, uh, labor unions and strikes that, uh, is very important and is maybe just coming on people's radar. And that was a case that was heard at the Supreme Court today that, uh, could make it harder for unions to strike. Can you, uh, just uh, break down that case and and what you were hearing today.
1: Yeah, the case is called uh, Glacier Northwest versus Keemster's Local 174. I'm working on a story for Work Bites that's going to be up tomorrow on it. And it basically involves a concrete company in Seattle where when the drivers went on strike in 2017, they walked out in... The middle of a shift and the uh the union a union uh, person told the drivers leave the one of the seven words i can't say on wbai running (laughs) but not to turn off basically told them not to turn off the trucks because in a cement truck if you stop it the cement in the drum hardens, and that ruins the truck. So they told them to leave them running so the cement wouldn't get ruined. But the company had to dump them out and basically lost about $11,000, $12,000 worth of concrete. So they're suing. They tried to sue the union for property damage, claiming it was intentional. And the Washington Supreme Court last year, Ruled that it wasn't and based on, you know, current Supreme Court case law that because the workers were involved in what's considered what is arguably protected conduct under federal labor law, it, they had to wait to see if what, how the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board ruled on it before they could go through with their suit. And the company is suing and it's reached the Supreme Court and the company is arguing basically that since they're claiming it was intentional damage by the workers, they have the right to be heard in state court. And that the president saying the NLRB has to decide first is interfering with the jurisdiction of state courts to handle lawsuits
0: But why is this uh, so dangerous? I mean, this started out with $11,000 of, uh, you know, cement materials and, uh, you know, who's responsible for that um, lost property. But uh, how could this case, uh, especially if it's decided in favor of the company, uh, uh, create more uh, danger for unions in the future?
1: Uh, Well, one, it creates, you know, a possible legal liability for unions. They have to defend against lawsuits. And also, you know, all strikes involve economic damage. To I mean, the that's economy. the whole point. <laughs> uh, I yeah. If you're
0: if you're the workers and you're trying to get a better deal,
1: yeah. But there's the current rule is that you know, obviously, if you do something like you know, break windows or, uh,
0: yeah, sabotage know, the assembly line. Sabotage, or-
1: That is not protected conduct. You can be arrested for that. You can be sued for that. But there's a legal principle that property damage that's sort of incidental to a strike is protected. Like if supermarket workers go on strike, they're not liable if food spoils. If newspaper delivery workers go on strike they're not liable because the papers are undelivered. You know, if they set bales of newspapers on fire, you know, that would be, you know, mm-hmm. that would be, you know, illegal, but just the newspapers don't get delivered, that's not you know, that's considered right, because
0: people have the right to withdraw their labor is is so
1: right. yeah, so this is putting that in jeopardy Sort of in the gray area between, you know, what's intentional and what's incidental because, you know, the company is, uh, backed by the Chamber of Commerce and some of the far right, you know, litigating mm. organizations, the Buckeye Institute, uh, places like that, uh, is arguing that the timing of the strike was calculated to do economic damage to the employer so uh it may not you know lead to anything you may be decided on procedural things but it's you know something that could open the door to a way to make you know unions that go on strike you know vulnerable to lawsuits for damages and you know if you're going to follow (laughs) the pattern that happened with abortion or the pattern that happened with the Janice case a couple of years ago, it could lead to, you know, a decision that, you know, any, you know, the union is liable for any economic damage. You know, that's a long shot, but that's. uh
0: Right. That's kind of how case law uh, works. Sometimes is you, you it they, 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 Chip away in one place, and then chip away at the next place,
1: and, and then the wall, you know, then they knock a hole in the wall, saying, "Well, we chipped away this place, so that means we're justified in chipping away at this place, and then you know, we chipped away at these three places, so we're justified in knocking a hole in the wall." Which is basically what happened in Janus. Uh, the Supreme Court did a couple of decisions involving things like home health care aides, who are, you know, were deemed to be part of 1199 and whether they had to pay dues and justice alito in one of the decisions wrote you know and the abood decision the 1977 case that said your workers had to pay at least fees to the union for representation even if they weren't uh members was quote questionable unquote and then when you know Arthur Janis came in with his state, his suit. They ruled that, yeah, you know, that applies to all public sector workers, not just these ones in small and, you know, outlier groups. Right. So well, w- whether this will happen in this case, I don't know, but, uh, you know, there are some people on justice on the court, uh, who would probably be like, would like to see that.
0: Indeed. Well, we'll have to leave it there, but, uh, People, you can follow uh, Steve Wishnea's uh, latest labor coverage at WorkBytes.com. and
1: work-bytes.com. Uh, Say that again? work dot. Yes.
0: Uh, Work-Bytes.com. Uh, Steve reports uh, regularly for them along with uh, WBAI's uh, Bob Henley. And uh, so keep up the good work. Uh, Steve, it's always great to have you on the show.
1: All right. Thanks a lot.
0: Okay. Bye. All right, we'll be back uh, in a minute, and we'll be talking uh, more uh, labor labor news about uh, municipal retirees, a quarter million of them at risk of being transferred into a new health care plan many of them do not want. forever your stupid dream.